Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast, in which I, Andy Zoltzman, Bugle Cricket Statistician of the Year, yet again, bring you up to date with all the numerical shenanigans as Ben Stokes' surrealist avant-garde England take on the more traditional stylings and baggy greensterism of Pat Cummins' Australia. Today I look back at day three of the Edgebaston series opener, and what a day it was! Shaping up to be, before the rain sogged it off after little more than a third of the scheduled overs. In that time, Australia's tail, which looked weak on paper, looked even weaker on grass. Johnny Bairstow blooped another blooper with the gloves, adding further grist to the mills of those who say that England should have picked Ben Folkes and just hoped that no one noticed they had 12 players. And Jimmy Anderson added another moment of fast-medium perfection to his impressive catalogue. Australia, for a while, made batting look very easy indeed. Unfortunately for them, England were batting at the time, as Cummins' passive, non-challenging fields allowed Crawley and Duckett to race away at four and over, doing nothing more than just dinking it into gap. But then, rain, followed by a 20-minute micro-session in which the ball started nibbling around, which can mean only one thing. Zach Crawley was probably about to nick one to the keeper. But no, in fact, Ben Duckett, who never leaves balls, was out not leaving a ball he could definitely have left, if ever he left balls. And then, Zach Crawley nicked one to the keeper. At the end of it all, England were effectively 35 for 2 in a one-innings game, and this match continued to defy a sludgy pitch by fluctuating, shifting and transforming before our eyes. In summary, I love cricket. Thing from day three that would be most difficult to explain to an alien. And the nominations for this prestigious awards are Why umpires conferring over anything to do with the weather is the slowest form of human movement yet discovered. Why it took until after 6pm to call the day's play off when there were barracudas mating on the outfield at about 4 o'clock. And why Australia just completely stopped trying to score any runs against England seamers in the morning. But our winner is... Ben Stokes's field placings. Stokes, at one point, had essentially, I think it was four short mid-wickets. Then when Kawaja was out, there were three catching in front of square on each side, like an employment tribunal scrutinising someone accused of stealing ink from the photocopier to sell on the slide to a nearby Italian restaurant as genuinely coming straight out of a squid. 
At one point, he had Ben Duckett in a clown outfit bouncing up and down on a pogo stick at deep mid-wicket. He put seven fielders on each other's shoulders at silly point. He had Bruce Springsteen fresh from his continent Villa Park under the lid at short, silly, deep, short cover. And he told Stuart Broad to unicycle around the square leg umpire in canting pagan prayers to make the ball move off the seam at least a bit. Then he put in six invisible slips and made them sledge the batsman. He put Ollie Robinson behind giant prism to make him look even bigger. And he put all the other fielders in a configuration so that if the batter imagined a photo of the field from above, it would look like a question mark. No wonder the Australians were confused. Anything to keep the opposition guessing. And not just guessing, but asking, what now? It really is quite compelling and fascinating watching Stokes captain on a docile pitch and the Kawaja wicket, York trying to hit through the latest discombobulatory field placing, was a masterpiece of Stokesist philosophy and exposed Australia's flimsy tail to the bouncer barrage that has served England so well over the past year. Catch of the day. Halibut, tasty but expensive. Other catch of the day, Cameron Green taking a once-in-a-lifetime one-handed blinder for the third time in nine days. Having green fielding at gully is basically legalised cheating. It's like allowing a water polo team to pick a shark. No human should be able to field like that. Stat joke of the day. Here's one for you. What do Vinod Kambli and Mayank Agawal of India, J.F. Reid of New Zealand, Adam Voges of Australia and South Africa's David Richardson all have in common? Well, they're the only players who've scored over a thousand test runs, and the difference between whose first innings batting average and second innings batting average, expressed as a ratio, is higher than that of Ollie Pope's. But um, tough crowd. Funny because it's true. Pope, who's had a good year since the Stokesian Revolution began, averages just 16.6 in second innings over his career, with 150 in 28 knocks. That is barely a third of his first innings average of 47.9. Out of the 576 players with more than 1,000 runs in men's tests, only those five have a higher figure for first innings average divided by second innings average, and leading the way, surely never to be beaten, is Cambly, the briefly flowering Indian star of the early 1990s, 1,037 runs averaged 69 in first innings, 47 runs in his six second innings, average 9. That is mind-boggling. But wait, if we put a cut-off of 1,500 runs on this stat, which still leaves us 413 players, Ollie Pope comes out on top. Gold medal. Now, of course, that might change during today's play if Pope has a rare and long overdue second inning success, or he might fail and consolidate his lead. Currently in second place is Stuart Broad's dad, Chris. Steve Smith, who averages 73 in first innings, 39 in second innings, is 24th. What do they have in common? Well, apparently, they don't sleep well during test matches. So what England need to do before the start of play on day four is hypnotise Ollie Pope and tell him it's the first innings, and then get someone in the squad to start singing him to sleep with bedtime lullabies during test matches. Minor injuries update. Well, of course, injuries are going to play a huge part in this series. Moeen Ali has a nasty, hurty finger after bowling more overs in a day than he had in the previous two months. That's not good news for England. Bowling spin in a test match with a hurty finger is like trying to do a triathlon while carrying a typewriter. You might be able to do it, but it's unlikely to go as well as you would want it to. Other than that, rumours are reaching us here at the Bugle that backup England batster Dan Lawrence has a bit of a sore eyeball after a team-bonding Battle of Hastings reenactment got a little bit too realistic. Australia's Scott Boland managed to pick up a grade naught deltroid flapris strap muscle tear trying to explain the ice-skating manoeuvre the triple salco to a confused Travis Head, an incident which resulted in a slightly damaged air hockey table. Uh, Manus Labuschagne could be ruled out of the Lord's Test after becoming obsessed with Jane Austen and wanting to binge 
read all of the former Hampshire novelists' works as soon as possible, whilst reserve Aussie wicketkeeper Jack Blackham is definitely out of the rest of the series after dying in 1932, aged 78. That concludes today's Bugle Lashes Zoltzcast. If you are enjoying the show, do tell everyone you know about it and find all the other shows in the Bugle stable, including the actual Bugle itself, at thebuglepodcast.com. More from Edgebaston after England clatter a quick 750 before declaring at lunch tomorrow. And you can hear me on Test Match Special, speaking in numbers all day long. Goodbye.